Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, but not if we're stressed out and exhausted. Looking at food, lifestyle, spirituality, and work, the Plan Simple Podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier and happier future. Listen in for inspirational conversations and valuable strategies to plan for your best life. Hey, y'all. Welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to this duo today. So today I actually have two women on the podcast at the same time, which was a fun little interview challenge. So I'm super excited to introduce you to Chelsea and Sharon Maxwell, an amazing mother-daughter duo. So Sharon is a clinical psychologist who has more than 30 years of experience doing what she does. And Chelsea has a master's in education and has been working with her mom for five years to bring information about sexuality in the digital age to families and schools. And I feel like they have an even bigger message about navigating parenting in general in the digital age. And we get a lot into that in this episode. So I initially met Sharon actually when she came to my school, when my now high schooler was, I think maybe in third grade and she came with her talk at the time was all about sex and how to talk to your kids, how to have the talk. She wrote a book about having the talk with your kids. And I just remember listening to her and being so intrigued. She basically told me, I mean, she told me in a whole room full of people that we were too late, that we really had needed to start talking about this in kindergarten or first grade. And she had the exact way to do that. And her reasoning was that if you start with age appropriate conversations about this hard topic of sex, then as time goes on, your kid will always come to you to talk about this topic instead of their peers, a magazine, or now the internet. And so I, at the time, you know, I heard her talk, she was talking to me and my, it was my oldest who was in third grade. And I felt like this was just a pocket that I knew, understood nothing about and maybe hadn't been done quite perfectly when I was younger. And I wanted to do that right for my kids. So I went out and I bought the books and I did all this stuff. And I got through this really hard moment of having these conversations with my husband, with our kids. And it was the best thing I ever did because now, and I really do attribute it to Sharon's work, I find that there's so many hard things, even way harder discussions to have sometimes than about sex. And we can have them. My kids always come back to us. We have all these conversations and we really feel comfortable with each other. My kids will bring hard stuff back home. And it's so great to have this sort of open dialogue happening. And so really listen to what she has to share because it's amazing, amazing information. And it has really, really helped us be able to have this open conversation, which I didn't even realize how important was obviously in third grade, because in third grade, the stuff that's coming back is at one level. But when you get into high school, it really is all new level. And I mean, we all know this because we've been in high school, but you kind of, I don't know, you forget a little bit, or you think maybe your kids will be different than you were. Their experience will be different and they're probably not as different as you want them to be. So love these two ladies. I hope you love this conversation. As usual, we have some doable changes at the end, and this really dovetails so fabulously into what we're going to be talking about for the rest of July, um, especially the part around values work, which I'm super excited. I've been so busy behind the scenes creating this amazing workshop for y'all, and I can't wait to share it with you next week. So stay tuned for that. And then the only other thing I want to say about Sharon and Chelsea's work and just this idea of parenting as this is going live in the summer is that the summer is such a good time to really be able to take the deep breaths I think that we need to be able to take to do some of the work that they're calling us to do. Such a great opportunity. Kids are around. It's also probably the hardest time, especially with technology. I find that 
these things are so much easier to creep in with these big expanses of time without the structure of school. So really hear what these women have to say and let's just do this together. Let's keep this conversation open. You can find me on Instagram. You guys can email me whenever you want. And let's just keep talking about this idea of parenting, of, you know, slowing down, of conversing with our kids, of really just some of the stuff that we go into is, is so amazing. And just this idea of practicing self-control and not avoiding uncomfortable situations and everything that they talk about for kids, I find is something that I can work on too. So I'm right here with you is what I'm basically saying. So with no further ado, let's get Chelsea and Sharon on the podcast. Sharon and Chelsea, welcome to the Plan Simple podcast. I'm super excited to test out this notion that three people can be on a podcast at once. (laughs) We're excited too, Mia. Thank you for having us. All right. So as I mentioned in the intro, Chelsea and Sharon are this amazing mother-daughter duo. So will each of you guys just briefly introduce yourself so everybody knows who it is we're talking to? Sure, I can begin. Um, I'm Sharon Maxwell. I'm a clinical psychologist and I've been in this field for 30 plus years. Um, And uh, I work with my daughter who will introduce herself. Um, Mm -hmm. I come from a psychological perspective, working with predominantly teenagers and families for a lot of years and having written a book, uh, a parenting book about how to talk to kids about sexuality in a digital age. Um, and uh, we we both uh, do a lot of curriculums and presentations around the country and in Mexico. Awesome. Yes. Um, my name is Chelsea Maxwell, and I recently, about two years ago, got my master's in education. We've been working together for about five years, and I wanted to study education to learn and improve how we're bringing this to schools and working with children. Um, talking on these topics and also looking at how we can bring some of this education online so that more people can access it. Love it. Okay. So I'm just going to go back a little because I think one of the things that's so interesting is how fast the whole, this whole arena is changing. Um, And I'm fascinated by that. So when I first met Sharon, it was before Chelsea had joined the team and it was, so let's see, Felix is 15. So Um, It was probably seven or eight years ago, and I had gone to one of her lectures at our school, and it was all about how to talk to your kids about sex, right? So that must have been like just after, I don't know, when your book came out. But um, And my son was in third grade, and basically, um, I came to learn that I had sort of missed the boat, not missed the boat, but I was late in introducing sex, which I had never imagined. So I went literally followed everything Sharon said to do. And I went home and I explained to both my kids all about sex and started this conversation, which has been amazing over the years. And um, it's just been, it was such a great tool and I was so great, grateful that I integrated it. Now, the interesting part about that is now I have my youngest is in a similar grade. And I feel like when you just came to school, the whole conversation is quite different. Like there were smartphones when Felix was seven, but it was just different. Is that, is it all changing so fast? Is that just me? (laughs) Well, I think it it is changing very fast. And I, I think part of what's changing is that we have less and less control over the environments that our children are in on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And that goes for the environments that their friends are in as well. So, you know, the kinds of things that we had to be concerned about. Uh, if you want to be the person that acculturates your child and gives them what your values are as a family, um, your capacity to do that has diminished, whether we're talking about sex or anything else, because the internet has given us so many ways to access information um, that, and we have a very hard time keeping up with all of those ways. But our children are much more fluent than we are, which, which is the cause of the, of the issue. God. Yeah, the number of the number of phone calls we receive of of parents calling us because they found out that their eight year old has access porn online has been <laughs> grows every year, and you know when you think about it, you don't want your child to be learning about what is sex, their first introduction from stumbling upon some image online. 
so just that need to be proactive at a younger age is is growing okay so we haven't like fully uncovered your whole message to everyone listening here <laughs> um so you guys go over a little bit about um I mean, because I feel like it's more than just talking about sex. It's talking now. It's talking about the internet and just about everything, all the hard things at an earlier age. So that my understanding was so that my kids always come back to me instead of looking somewhere else, either their friends or I guess now their the internet, right? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think you can break it down into into sections. And it, it is such it has the Internet has infused itself into our lives in so many different ways. Um, it's hard to fathom all the different conversations that you need to have. But an example would be we never had to talk that much about the, what we value in terms of communication, like what is OK and what's not OK. What are you know, how, how do you define yourself by how, by how you speak and does it change? If what you say disappears in 10 seconds, does it change if, if it's only 140 characters, does it make it less valuable? So, I mean, we've gone from, uh, you know, uh, uh, Chelsea and I have gone from working on this issue of talking about sex to kids and how that's changed. But in fact, when we look at the, the, what kids are exposed to, we now have an entire curriculum about, you know, talking to kids about the use of the Internet in a way that actually um, supports uh, a family that that wants to pass on values in every aspect, including you know what I say, how I say it, it. It defines me as a human, and you just can't say anything just because it disappears or just because your parents can't see it. You know what? What are our values about human communication? We never had to talk about that that much before, but now we do. Interesting. And you've used the word values a lot. Can we unpack that a little bit? And because I feel like in my own life, understanding our family values has really helped me to show up to the hard conversations, the dinner table, the good conversations, all of it in a much, um, I don't know, in a much easier, more fulfilling way. Mm. Well, I mean, and I think that's what a lot of family dinners are, are kind of for, you know, but the, the sentence that I like to give to parents is like, in our family, we, you know, in our family, we believe this. In our family, we think this is what's important. Um, something as simple as, you know, getting attention, like now on the internet, any kind of attention that you get boosts the number of, of likes you're going to get, boosts how, quote unquote, popular you might be. Well, well, in our family, we think attention, there's, there, uh, there's attention that you can get for doing certain things that we value, but then there's another kind of attention that although you might get a lot of, um, you know, people looking at you, that's not the kind of attention that we value. That's, that's a consideration we never really had to talk about before with our kids, but now it's increasingly important. And it's something that as parents, we don't necessarily think of. Um, but it's it's important to kind of sort through all the different kinds of value conversations we need to have. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I feel like I guess it's a privilege that I that we got to choose that we, you know, I now have a ninth grader and a seventh grader and a fourth grader, and we have chosen not to let um, computers and phones enter into our life. We really did do the wait till eight thing, wait till the end of eight thing, <laughs> um, for my son, for sure. And my daughter has a phone, but she's not on social media and the littlest mm -hmm. one, nothing. And I do feel like it's been amazing, but it's been interesting to watch as my ninth grader is allowed and, you know, can do, he has a phone now and he's can access things. Um, the conversations, it's interesting to see what part of our values influences what he does, which is fantastic and so rewarding to watch, but also what conversations I haven't thought to have at the same time. Exactly. It goes exactly. so fast. It goes very fast and it's, and it's infuses in every aspect. So every moment that you're online, every moment that he's in that environment, he's being exposed to an entirely different set of values. Yeah. You know? And that's something that it's really important to talk to a teenager about is the ways in which the the technology actually is manipulating how you spend your time and and how you think about very important issues um, and it's not all always direct it's not like someone's pounding you over the head it's a very subtle well-constructed uh, manipulation 
Um, and when we go into schools and talk about that, we literally talk to kids about about how tech companies persuade you to to give your time to them and when, what that actually means. And you know, this concept of persuasive design is critical that parents know about this and that they actually begin to talk to their their kids about it. And it's something that teens are very interested in learning about. Once you start talking about technology as an industry and as as each of these apps are trying to make money. That's why they exist. So you have to start looking at how are they making their money? And teams are really pulled in by that conversation. Can we talk a little bit about this idea of persuasion and maybe go back a little bit? So I feel like, I think there's a lot of people who tune in here because they are um, a little bit of the philosophy of slowing down childhood, you know, slowing down getting to adulthood, I guess, slowing down childhood. So can we sort of map out a little bit what it looks like to talk about persuasion, maybe at a time before we're talking about what it specifically means on the internet to when then they're presented with, you know, more technology and then what it means there? Can we sort of take people on that journey a little bit? Um, in, indeed, and, and we have a we have a very we could actually um, show you, uh, you know relate to you a very specific way that we talk to kids about uh, persuasive design specifically. But in fact, it's a bigger the what you're addressing. I think Mia is a bigger conversation about desire in general. You yes, know, it's like it's, it's like constant. We are constantly being. Um, stimulated our desires are constantly being stimulated and that's that's how the whole culture works that's how capitalism works and you know you can debate long and hard whether that's a good thing or a bad thing but it's kind of irrelevant when it comes to raising your kids you have to just realize what it is right but you know (laughs) and it can start at a very young age too i mean just walking through the supermarket playing a game with kids of like find the ways that, that they're trying to get you to buy the cereal. Notice what images they're placing on the cereal boxes and where they place the cereal boxes that they're trying to appeal to kids and how they place items at the checkout line and, and all, talking to kids about those and, and really making it into a game of finding the ways that they're trying to manipulate us. Mm, interesting. Kids love that, actually. It's like they, they feel like they're getting the inside track on something. And it, you know, and it can start again, as Chelsea's saying, it can start at a really young age. You know, sending your kids out into the supermarket to find five ways that that you're literally being lied to. You know, like what is a balanced breakfast on a cereal box? You know, it's a balanced breakfast, but meanwhile they have an egg and you know all kinds of other orange juice and uh, everything else. And so you know, and kids, they they really they love that. And that's that's at the level of advertising, which is a whole piece of stuff that you can start very young. How do they stimulate your desire? How do they make you want something? Yeah. You know, even the colors, even the colors that are chosen are important. Um, but then there's another layer when it comes to technology is how do they get and keep your attention? And they're two separate and related but separate things. And both need to be um, looked at because, you know, technology is distracting us all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's incredibly effective. Well, why is it effective? Well, it's effective because the people that are designing these apps understand how our brains work better than we do. And I would have to say that of all the things that as parents and as educators we need to be doing, it's helping kids understand how their brains work mm-hmm. and what are the structures that, that make them vulnerable to being manipulated. Um, that should be an integral part of every curriculum, and it's, it's certainly part of what we try to talk to kids about when we go into schools is how, let's understand how your brain works so you can understand why it's so hard to get off Fortnite once you start. Uh, and once, they get, once they're there, you know, they're, they're in a much better place to, to actually make an intelligent decision. Interesting. And so on that line of, I guess, gratification and instant gratification can we go through so like for example you know my my, it's interesting because my philosophy was a little bit of just um don't expose I guess so very early on I decided to go grocery shopping by myself it was both my time alone out of the house but also probably a little bit it was like I just don't want to deal with those arguments in the grocery store you know, for the things mm-hmm. that are marketed right toward them. 
Um, and, you know, we didn't get on technology and, you know, we didn't do a lot of things that, you know, other people might have done. Um, but what was interesting about that is that then I, I feel like you're maybe exercising a part of your brain, right? That you can wait for things. And so now as we do get into the discussion, I do actually find that it's a little bit easier. Mm. And I'm not saying that that way is right at all. I have no idea. I am the most imperfect parent ever. Mm. Um, but it's interesting that, um, I, I don't know, it's just an interesting thing I'm finding as, as I go through this. And, and they're just very open to understanding the limitations of their brain, you know, and mm. they're starting the conversation sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that there's two aspects to what you're talking about. One is how is desire stimulated in the first place? And the second is, as a human being, how do you learn to exercise self-control? Yes. I mean, and both of those parts are critical to, the, to raising a, a, a human, you know, a, a human who can make intelligent choices about where they want to spend their time and what they want and what they don't want. Um, but it's, it's something, again, that we don't really talk about. Uh, with our kids often, but this capacity to wait, pause, and think is activating the frontal lobe of the brain in a way that is critical if you're going to be able to be free to make the decisions that that you want to make in your life. Otherwise, you're just being dragged around by your desires all the time, and you really have no freedom at all. But that's, it's, there's a course. I mean, we give handouts to parents, and like, how do you teach your child, the, the, the uh, self-control. I mean, what are the small steps you can take on a day-to-day basis to help your child develop that capacity? Because, you know, the brain isn't, isn't organized early on to be able to do much of that. And it, it, it comes over time. But reward, rewarding your child for, for exercising self-control is, is huge and, and something that's and, very hard to do when we're living in this culture. Can you dish really out talking. a couple of Oh, sorry. Can you dish out a few of those samples? Um, well, first of all, asking a child to, um, uh, like, for, be conscious of what is the level of their desire at any given time. So on a scale of one to ten, how much do you want this? How much? I said ten. I need it right away. Oh, okay. So you really, really want this. You can feel that energy in your body. Well, you know, if, you, if I gave you this thing right now, I mean, let's say you can't because you're in the car or something, then, you know, then, uh, then that would be satisfied. But let's say you can take that energy and transform it into something else, that, that energy for wanting, what can you change it into? What can you, what, what could you do with that? Maybe you could uh, create a little song about how much you want it. You know, I mean, I, I want it so badly I could die. I want it so badly I'm going to cry, you know. And, and on you go, you know, it's like, oh, wow, look at what you did. You took something that was so, you thought there was only one way to, to do that energy. You were just going to scream until you got it. But now you've transformed that energy into something else, something creative and awesome. And, and wow, you know, and again, there's, we do two hours just on this subject yeah. with parents. But you, I mean, money is the same thing. I mean, yeah. A dollar bill is nothing but, but a contained piece of your energy. You know, you did something and someone gave you a little packet of energy for that thing. And you can save up those little packets, little dollar bills, or you can um, spend it right away and then have nothing. Or you can save them because you have self-control and then you actually accumulate more power and more capacity to choose what you want to do and when you want to do it. I mean, I'm giving you a very thumbnail version of this here, but well, you know, well it's funny because I'm just thinking, gosh, I think like probably every child, but also every adult could work on this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I mean, and it's really, <laughs> it's really about reframing self-control as something that makes you strong and that gives you freedom too. Because so yeah. often we think of self-control and self-discipline as something that's so hard and you don't want to do. But when you can talk about how a hero is someone who's able to hold the, the power of their desires and direct it in a powerful way, right. then you can start seeing it as something that leads to freedom that has, that has great strength to it. I love that. Oh my God, that's such yeah. a good metaphor. And I just, I mean, yeah, I love that yeah. that we have the capacity to teach this to our kids. And it's, it's funny, it's like what every superhero story is about, right? Mm, exactly. It, it really is, but it's never, it's so rarely framed that way. And that's, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I think that's a, a, an incredibly important thing, you know, and, and again, if you turn on, if you start watching commercials, I mean, all you are seeing is you shouldn't have to exercise self-control 
freedom means getting what you want when you want it as fast as you can. You right. know, I mean, it's, it's the, 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 the conversation has been shifted away from, you know, the, the very natural capacity that people have to, to hold their desires and then think through what they actually want to do. Uh, and if you're constantly distracted by, you know, those beeps and notifications, then you don't have the capacity to actually be thoughtful and thinking, is this what, really what I want to do? It's just like, oh, I'll just check this. Just give me two seconds, you know, and, and again, our, your time slips away and your capacity to, to actually develop self-control slips away as well. And, you know, I think that's, an, so if there's a connection here between that and how you're helping kids learn to use this smartphone, uh, you know, as they get older to learn, use it effectively, but to know what the, the challenges are to learning how to use it effectively. Okay, so can you go a little bit more into that, into that idea of self-control and the technology sort of taking that away? Well, distraction. Okay. You know, I, mean, I think just, just distraction alone is the, is the very beginning of it. You know, like how do you – I see teenagers predominantly in my office. And, you know, let, there are certain developmental stages that a child goes through in, in adolescence. And learning who you are, learning how you fit socially, having your first crush, all of that. And each one of those experiences has to be um, addressed, you know, by, by facing something that's going to make you anxious. You right. know, it's not easy to talk to a girl the first time or to, you know, fit, it's all of those things are difficult. Uh, and, and that's okay because that's just part of growing up. But what if you don't have to ever face those things because as soon as anything gets tough, you just fall into your phone. You, you just switch environments so that now your brain is, is being distracted in something else. So you put off and put off, you know, the inevitable conversation that you need to have. Or maybe you only have online. I mean, I have plenty of kids that never get past the online relationship because, you know, they're not getting to that. They, they're too anxious to have that next, uh, that real life experience. You know, you've got, there's a whole there's a, a thousand ways that you're not going to be able to meet all of these developmental stages in a, in a, um, in the, in a way that, that is going to let you progress through the development stages if you can constantly distract yourself. Right. Uh, and we, when, when we do the curriculum, we, we throw all kinds of scenarios at kids and say, well, what about this? Like, how are these kids going to, you know, what would happen in this situation? What's happening? What's not happening? What's the pluses? What's the minus? So they, they're discovering for themselves as they're working through the scenarios. Oh, wow. You know what? They're not going to face the real issue here because they're all just hiding in their phones, you know, and that becomes a, um, you know, just the, just the way that they can actually see themselves, how this device can keep them from actually doing the things they need to do. And also talking, it's, it's also about talking about the brain, like knowing that self-discipline comes from the frontal lobe, right? The part of the brain that allows you to pause and think and reflect and decide what actions you want to take, where uh, media technology and all these apps and all this distraction is really focused on that kind of archaic part of our brain that makes us react and share and retweet and look for likes and get that validation. And we're not, we're not exercising that, that capacity for self-reflection as much because we're always being triggered by that, that next ding on our phone. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's funny because, um, as you know, because you guys have been a part of it, um, our class, our fourth grade class is like really considering, you know, how we can come together as a class to um, – you know, help our kids as they navigate this world as they get older. Um, and it's been an amazing journey. And one of the things that came up sort of unexpectedly is that we all thought we'd be talking about the kids, the kids, the kids. And it became mm. really clear that all the parents had things that they wanted to work on as it relates to all of this, right? So you can just see mm -hmm. the loop and how, how we buffer too, right? So how we just as easily, maybe we turn to our phone, maybe we turn to a glass of wine, whatever it is, it's so easy to distract ourselves from this yeah. work, which is also hard as a parent, right? To talk to our kids about hard things is, is hard. Yeah. yeah. And Common Sense Media, I, I believe, just came out with a study recently about how, about parents' use of media and how frustrated children are that they can't get their parents' attention. Yeah. And, and I think 
really looking at how parents are modeling and really all adults in children's lives are modeling what it means to have a cell phone, right? And what it means to have family time in terms like if kids are growing up and they always see their parents on the cell phone during family time at dinner, then naturally that's what they're going to think it means to be a successful adult, always right. being busy and always being distracted. And so it's no surprise then when they get a cell phone, they're going to do the same, the same thing. Yeah, totally. And, and I think even adult, as adults, sometimes it's just unconscious, right? It's like, you know, you're talking about something at the, we have a no phone rule at the dinner table for sure. Even, you know, mostly for the adults, cause not everybody in my house has a phone, but it's so interesting to watch how even at our table, you know, if we're talking about something and we don't have an answer, it's like all of our first instinct to like want the phone and Google, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like we can't come up with this thing ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, just, it's such an impulse at this point in our evolution. Right. Uh, and there's, you know, there's, it, there's no, it, we, we caution parents not to be like, oh, you know, this is a terrible evil device that's going to ruin your child forever. I mean, for, it, there's no point in going to that place because right. eventually your child has to be able to use this device and will be using this device. The idea is when, how much, and have you trained them to use it effectively? Because, you know, to, to say wait until eighth is great. At, and if at, at in eighth grade you just hand them a smartphone, yeah. well, you know all hell's going to break loose. I mean, we get calls from schools all the time where you know they've they've they're now allowing their you know older high school kids to use the phone, and 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 everyone's freaking out because someone's showing someone else porn in the hallways, and you know it's like nobody. It's like driving a car unless you're unless you're trained to do it effectively. Um, it, you're going to run into a, a brick wall, and and it's and it's quite unsettling for parents. But you know you can't afford to just like wag your finger and tell them how horrible it is and how you're going to be manipulated and how you know because it's first of all way too tantalizing. All their friends are going to have one. It's you're going to have so much pressure to to do that. So it's, the idea is well we have a plan, and the plan is according to your developmental age and your capacity to. Um, act responsibly and understand how communication works and what our values are, we will unfold this for you in a reasonable way and check regularly to see if you're using it effectively. And if you are, then eventually you have the freedom to use this thing because you understand what the challenges are of this, of this technology. I mean, that's the goal. And yeah. schools have to get on board with that as well. I mean, schools just letting kids have you know, all kinds of access without ever training them is, is uh, you know, a recipe for disaster. There should be courses in social media. You know, there should be like, how is it that you're being manipulated? What, what are the, the, the challenges that you're going to face once you go on, once you're part of the social media world? You know, that, those things ought to be being taught on a, and, and parents and, being left up to parents. And, and I think especially in this age where people are just sharing news just with a click without checking resource, like checking the sources yes. and making sure that the information is accurate. Um, kids, I mean, adults need to learn how to do that. But if we're, if we're raising the next generation, I mean, that's a critical skill that needs to be, needs to be taught. Yeah. yeah. One of the things, one, we have a whole part in our, our curriculum, where we actually show kids a bunch of different, you know, images and uh, from different um, websites and, and basically like, is this is this an ad, or is this a factual piece of information? Um, and has or and then there's another part where we'll show them images and say, do you think this has been photoshopped, or do you think that this is real? And nobody gets it right. I mean, and these same tests have been given to you know professors in universities, and they're not getting it right either. I mean, it's very and and having a child understand that this is that that how much misinformation they can be getting online is critical for them growing into a, an educated adult. Yeah. And I feel like not even all, I mean, this is all work that we all can do, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I imagine there's Absolutely. many adults who think they're getting real information and sharing it on mm-hmm. Facebook and not checking them. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's really hard to know if it's real, but the yeah. important thing is if you don't know, then just don't share it. You know, yeah. it can be so tempting like, Oh, this is crazy. I have to share it. But if you're not sure, just don't, just don't do it. Yeah. And um, that, and we talk to them about how that need to share so quickly and react and, and let everyone know 
um, is a way that these they purposefully create things with he headlines that are going to make you want to share um, to to trigger that archaic part of the brain that wants to protect your your people, you know, your group, your social group. Um, but you have to actually uh, now take control of that frontal lobe and say, wait, I'm a human being. I have that capacity to pause and think this through. I don't have to just react. Yeah. Right. So interesting. And it's, it's interesting because my, so my oldest who's in high school, you know, I was part of a group of parents who we got to do this together. You know, we all gave them phones in eighth grade and we all got to go through that year together, like let, you know, slowly discussing as different stuff came up, which was awesome. My middle daughter in sixth grade ended up in a school where I knew no parents um, and it was big and everyone had phones and she got a phone because I needed to contact her and she walks a mile to school. Um, but I didn't let her on social media. And at first I was really unsure of my choice. Like I was really wishy-washy. And then something you just said about parents really having a plan really stuck with me because the second I got on wishy-washy, she didn't care anymore. And mm -hmm. we really have been able to have that conversation about why. And, you mm -hmm. know, for me, it was that I really wanted her to not all, only be a consumer. I wanted her to be a creator. And so yeah. I encouraged her to take photos and that we could talk about them together <laughs> before she was posting them mm -hmm. for the world to see. Um, mm -hmm. And that, you know, we came up with ways for her to find out what was going on, like with her friends. So she has this really supportive group of friends who text her stuff now. Um, mm -hmm. so she doesn't feel totally out of the loop and it's just been a really interesting conversation, but I found as I got more grounded in the fact that I didn't feel like I knew enough or was ready for her to be on that she was fine. Um, mm. whereas in the moment where I was really wishy-washy and thinking I was the worst parent ever, we had so many arguments. Yeah, about it. yeah exactly. I, I mean, think that's that the point power. of, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I think that diff that idea of creator versus just a consumer is so important. Um, when you actually look uh, at the statistics, so little time is spent online creating, but yeah. there's great possibilities for creation online. And I think there's a, I heard someone speaking saying how if, if, you, if you are just a consumer online and you don't know how to create anything, it's like learning to read, but not be able to write. Yeah. And a citizen has to know how to write and read. And so I think it's important to, to look for those places when, when you are introducing technology to your children, look for those places where they can be creators. Um, Scratch is like a wonderful way for kids to learn about coding online and actually learn how, are, how, are, how it, this whole online space is actually being created by people. And knowing how that works is an important part of being an educated person in, the, in that environment. Yeah, I love that. It's interesting because when I went to, when I was in college, I went to art school to become a designer, which is my background. And, you know, it was quite some years ago, 20 something years ago. <laughs> and um, we were never taught technology. Technology existed, but we were taught like the design principles. And then we were told to make a poster and it was expected that it came in printed out from a computer, but nobody taught mm -hmm. us that. We just had to figure it out based on what we wanted. And fast forward to 10 years ago, I started teaching um, design at a university and was asked to teach the technology. And it's such mm -hmm. a different experience to want to create something and then need to use the technology to make it versus, you know, being limited by what the technology can do and then Indeed. going from there. So it's just mm -hmm. so interesting how things are <laughs> changing that way. Very rapidly, Very incredibly rapidly. rapidly. I think the point that you're making, Mia, too, about, you know, being a mother and saying, you know, when, when you feel sure of yourself, it, it comes across and, and, you know, whether the child likes it or not, you know, and the, the idea that you're holding the ground of being the parent, the, the ultimate acculturator is, up, is left up to you. You're the decider of, of what environments that brain is going to go into and how that brain is going to develop based on knowing full well that the brain will develop in whatever environment it's in. So, I mean, the, this idea, I mean, but you need, parents need help with that. You know, it's yeah. this idea that, you know, in our family, we believe this, you know, that's a statement of, of, of solid 
awareness that we know what we're doing and we're, we're firm with this. And another thing that we like to, that I like to say to moms, particularly and dads is, you know, um, when they're balking at a decision that we're making or not wanting to talk about something that we know we need to discuss with them, you know, and it, this idea that, you know, to, to say to a child, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I have to look in the mirror and know that the person that I have been, the person looking back at me needs to know that I have been the best mother I can be. And, you know, that, that I don't answer to you. I don't answer to, you know, the, the, the stream of, of uh, culture that we're all in. I answer to myself. I have to be proud of myself. And in order to do that, this is, this is the decision that I'm making about, about that. And, it, you know, when, when you say that, it's like you're also modeling for them that at the end of the day, everyone has to be able to, to look at themselves and to know that they've done the best job that they can do. And, and at the, you're also holding your seat as the parent. And saying this is this is my job, and I'm doing the best way I can. And you know, I might come across as the meanest mom on earth, but in the end of the day, I got to answer to me. You know, and that's you, people need those reminders these days because it's so easy to be um, kind of sucked into this this maelstrom of oh my God, everybody's doing it when my poor child is going to be the only one. You know, what, what's going to happen? You know, and and all of that. But we need we need to support each other. We need to have you know, um, things exactly like what we're doing right now so that parents can listen and feel that they're supported in the decisions that they're making. And I think probably that's one of the hardest parts about this whole technological revolution is that everything's happening so fast that we might have, you know, in the past, maybe it was easier to come up with our values around our work ethic. And, but, but right now it's, you know, there's a lot of learning. There's a lot of learning we have to do as parents to be able to feel grounded and mm. and sort of understand that our values about all these very fast moving things are hard discussions um, that we can feel good about them, which right. is is and knowing different. what what are the categories that we need to even be in, yeah. you know, in order to have these conversations. Like when it comes to the internet, you know, the, the idea that there's three main categories: communication. What are your values around communication? Does what you say reflect who you are as a human? And no matter how, what media that you medium that you're using, mm -hmm. the other is information. How do you know something's true or not true? You know, how are you going? Are you and what are your values in terms of passing on information that you're not sure is true? You know, that so information is another huge category. And then, you know, how do you use, um, for lack of a better word, um, stimulation or entertainment? In other words, when is it okay to entertain yourself with, you know, another, you know, five minutes of Candy Crush versus when is it not okay? I mean, how are you going to integrate this new capacity to be entertained or distracted anytime you feel like it? We've never had to figure that out before. I mean, what are, what are your values with regard to that? Like, how, how often are, is that going to be? Are you making that available to yourself? And are you just avoiding the hard things by going online for five more minutes and watching another YouTube video. So, you know, entertainment, information, and communication are three areas where we have to dig down deep and really look at what our values are. And, it, and again, and it, and it all boils down to how, do, how we're choosing to spend our time. You know? Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and I think, like, since we're asking for our kids not to always have the easy out, it's probably the same for us parents, right? Like, I remember years ago learning that it was okay for my kids to be bored but that mm. mean that when someone came in it was like i'm bored that i didn't want to fix it like that second right mm -hmm. like, what can mm -hmm. i do to make yeah. you bored <laughs> but it takes yeah. some willpower to be like it's okay to be bored right go you'll figure something out that's how innovation that's, has yeah. happened in the past exactly that's where creativity comes from if you're always distracted you're never going to have that opportunity for creativity or learning yeah yeah. But not always easy to parent through. No, no not, not at all. Not at all. But it's, it's, But at the same time, the, the, the games are incredible for, for the child. And, and again, you know, go, go outside. Don't come in until lunchtime. You know, yeah. figure it out. I, I, yeah. I don't care what you do. You don't hurt each other. You'll be fine. Yeah. You know, uh, that kind of thing, you know. And then all of a sudden you find a salamander and, and you're, you're making a little house somewhere in the next to the tree or you know, whatever it is. I mean, the child will figure out a way. Yeah. And for, them. yeah. and for a teen, you take away the phone and they're having to communicate with someone. So it's not the end of the mm -hmm. world, right? Mm -hmm. 
Aurelia. Maybe? Not the end of the world. Yeah. No, not at all. All right. So um, I got the pl- had the pleasure of getting to know you guys because my school hired you all to come quite a few times. So tell the rest of the our listeners how they can sort of dive deeper into this material with you guys. Yes. So we have a website. It's um, www.maxwelled.com. And you can learn a lot about our, our work there. We go to schools and parenting organizations all over the country and in Mexico um, and have and also do consulting work individually with both schools and parents. And yeah, if you check out the website, there's lots of resources there as well as our blog where you can read a lot about the more about the topics we we're speaking about today. Awesome. Thank you so much. And so based on everything we've talked about, is there any bit of advice that you feel like is missing that we haven't covered that you want to leave our audience with? Hmm. There's so many, there's so many main points, here, know. But, but you know, learn, learn about the brain, learn, learn about how the brain works with, learn about persuasive design, you know, look that up. Um, you know, talk to your older kids. Uh, about you know how media is um, shaping and manipulating their brain. I mean, those are the parts where parents, if you if you can dive in and just a, a little information goes a long way, uh, and you can actually turn your child on to a way of thinking about this that's different than what they're going to get in other places. Also, don't be afraid to say no. I mean, learning learning the power of self control is the biggest gift you could give your child. Right. Um, and yes, I think I the think- last thing. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, which might be what you were about to say as well, uh, whether we're giving our presentation about sex or our presentation about media technology, the two skills that we find are most important to nurture in children is that capacity for self-control and understanding desire, and then also the capacity for self-reflection, which has to do with that time alone in the world of your own mind, in the world of your own thoughts and imagination with no distraction where you're able to figure out who am I, what do I believe, what do I think? And that's going to be a skill that's going to, if you have that, you're going to get through life and be able to make your own decisions, no matter what environment that you're in. (laughs) And it's really funny because those two things are like the two things that we we here at Plan Simple work on with moms. So (laughs) we all got to work on it, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to find that time to reflect, but it's so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. oh my gosh. For, for you and for your kids, you don't need to keep them busy all the time. You can actually let them just again be bored and figure out where the brain goes when it can, when it has it's an open field of of quiet to roam around in. Yeah, and that's such an important reminder as we head into summer because there's moments this summer where we don't have to fill with stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Such oh, an opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't 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 create a Chuck E. Cheese reality for your kid where there's constant stimulation all the time. It's not going to help their brain develop into a brain that that ha- is capable of making good decisions. You know, they don't really need any more distractions. You know, they need they need time to discover themselves and the world around them. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for being here today. I could talk to you guys for days, but <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it to the hour. <laughs> So thank you guys. Thank you, Mia. Thank you. You're doing a great thing here. Thanks. All right. It is time for some people's favorite part of the episode, although I love the interviews. But at the end of every interview, I always share three doable changes so you can take what you've learned and actually put it into action because action is where big change can happen. And I don't believe that for big change to happen, we have to put in as big of effort as we think. I feel like the little things can really add up. And that is why we focus on one doable change and we focus more on the consistency. Now, I always share that you should focus on the next doable change and then I share three. But the reason I share three is so that you can pick the one that most resonates with you because we're all made a little bit different. So here are three from this episode. Number one, don't avoid uncomfortable situations. For one week, pay attention to when you turn to your phone to avoid an uncomfortable situation. That may mean checking messages instead of talking to other people 
parents at pickup or scrolling through Facebook because you don't feel like making dinner or picking up your phone with no plan because you're bored and don't know what to do. Does any of this sound familiar? I know that I do it totally not meaning to. Sharon and Chelsea talk a lot about helping our kids with technology use, and it really has to start with ourselves. So simply start to notice how you're using your phone and other technology, maybe to buffer yourself a little bit from being present and play with that and see how you can lean more in to even uncomfortable situations. That is doable change number one. And actually, that's the one I'm going to be working on next week. Number two, practice self-control. Start by being aware of desire. Ask on a scale of one to 10, how much do I want this? And remember how they shared sharing this out loud with your kids, which is awesome. And feel the energy of different desire levels in your body. What can you do with that energy of wanting? How can you transform it into something else? Could you create something with it? Could you save it up? You can try this exercise with your kids. You can try it by yourself. You can try it for yourself with your kids witnessing it and really start to understand this idea of desire and self-control. All right. These are good ones, you guys. This episode was juicy. Okay, number three, talk about values. You can start with in this family, dot, 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 to frame the discussion, but really try focusing on communication, information, and education. And Sharon offers some questions to get you started. Here's what she says about communication. What are your values around communication? Does what you say reflect who you are as a human, no matter what media you are using? So this is a great one when we're talking about how our kids are starting to use social media or email or even just texting their friends or you, right? So all of this talk about values. I'm actually going to be talking a lot about values in the week coming up. So I love this doable change too. So pick one really commit to it, figure out how you can fit it into your life. Just try to play with it a little, have that experimenter hat on and see how you can make it work even when it's not always easy because one of them is calling it for not to always be easy. And I will see you guys on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple Podcast. If you loved what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give is to share the podcast with a friend. And if you really loved what you heard, if you want to go onto iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review, that really helps us get the best guests we can and improve the podcast so that we're serving up exactly what you want to hear. I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for now.